so funny. Every time I tell people from America I'm from Canada, especially on stage, immediately, hey, how's it going, Harry? You want a war? Or do you want to just give me a war? There's a new NBA champion, and it's a team from Toronto, Canada. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode, uh, I don't even know what episode it is. We haven't recorded in a while. I apologize. Uh, we got a new podcaster with us, my buddy Dre. And uh, P is on a hiatus for a little bit. He's got some family stuff going on, uh, raising a kid and, and all that kind of stuff. So Dre's going to be joining us for, for the near future. Uh, buddy, how you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Happy New Year. We're entering a whole new uh, 2022 year, so I'm happy to, you know, join and give this a shot. I know you've been yeah, doing it for a while, so I'm definitely enthusiastic in that regard. Yeah, man. Glad to have you. We're keeping with the prosciutto masala theme because like uh, uh, Andre's brown too, so we're keeping it, you know, still on the same, uh, a white dude and a brown dude just chopping it up and talking. You want to tell the folks a little bit uh, about you, buddy, and your background stuff? or? Yeah, so, you know, I mean, I've actually known Rob for some time now. I think mm-hmm. this goes back to... Maybe must- oh, close to 10 years now, no? It might actually be just under that. I'd say about Crazy. eight. I'd say about Crazy, eight. Yeah. Of, mm-hmm. of course, you know, if you want to count the years of COVID, which I typically don't count. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it's been about eight years, give or take. So um, yeah. I'm uh, 32. Um, I work in the financial insurance industry. Um, kind of... An all-around guy. Um, fitness is my passion, my hobby. I do love to travel. Do love to read, uh, you know, self-help books. I'm kind of out there as far as my interests are concerned. So it's kind of all over the place. So, um, you know, it's there's a lot about me. So I'm very particular with what you ask. So definitely, if you ask anything specific, I'll answer it. But that's the vague overview of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. And how about uh, culturally? Like, tell people a little bit about your background. Uh, your your so, family's Guyanese, but you were born yeah. here, right? Yeah, so um, originally I am born in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I am Guyanese of uh, descent. To, to those who don't know, that is part of the Caribbean. It's the only uh, South American country that is part of the conglomerate of the Caribbean nation. So it's not an island, even though it is part of the Caribbean. But um, culturally, it's you know, for those who don't know, it is similar to I guess you know, I guess you, if you want to compare it to something, it'd be Jamaica in terms of culture. Yeah, but yeah. It, it does adopt a from the Indian cultures as well. Um, and yeah, so it's that's pretty much where I'm from. I've lived here my whole life. Um, I do love to travel outside of Toronto, though, as much as I love Toronto and the culture. I do love to see the rest of the world, as I think mm-hmm. everyone else should. But yeah, that's pretty much me. Nice, man. That's the beautiful thing about uh, Toronto is just uh, full of beautiful cultures and food. And uh, Absolutely, absolutely. It's a good city. I think one so of the let's benefits- get into... Yeah. Um, what I found an article recently, I said mm-hmm. to you, uh, Andre, is about um, the homes, current home prices and whatnot in Toronto. And, and for anybody that's not listening from Toronto, is like Toronto now has become kind of like such a huge city. Like I think, I might be wrong, but I think it's the third biggest in North America next to like LA and New York. It is. Um, yeah. But the house prices are just ridiculous. Like usually, I think the general rule of thumb is like every 10 years, they say, your house is going to double in value. Exactly. But I think I was reading that the past two years since COVID, um, because it, because of interest rates going low and a whole bunch of other things, uh, house prices have like like uh, risen by like forty percent, which is which is crazy. It's right? amazing. It's amazing. So uh, it's not. So this article basically here, and I'll post it in the um, in the show notes later, so people can read along. But basically, he's talking about 
um, because there's such a housing problem where young people like, you know, our age and stuff, um, and even younger, like, I don't even know how my younger brothers and sisters are going to do it, but, um, uh, it's tough. Like it's uh, the average price right now is, is a million bucks. Right. So what they're talking with this article basically talks about is, uh, this architect who put forth this, um, I don't know if it was like an amendment or, or suggestions towards city council, basically saying that, um, we should be considering the city should be considering like what's called like a mid-rise building. So basically allowing you, if you have a unit in like Mississauga or Toronto, um, to be able to build up about five units. So it's almost going to be like a mini real mini, like, like apartment building. Right. And it's the cool amazing. thing about that is that you could partition that. So into separate units. So kind of like you buy a condo now for like, you know, uh, five, 600,000, you could buy one of these small little, uh, you know, mid rise units for maybe a hundred, 200,000, but it's great. It lets young people get into the market and stay in the city. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I personally think you're going to see stuff like this happen. It might not be five, 10 years down the road, but I think there's, there, I might be wrong, but I think there's no choice because right now for people that work in Toronto, like it, it, it's getting crazy. Like if you want to stay close to the city, uh, you know, like my brother moved out to Cambridge uh, a couple of years ago and he's usually in Toronto every day. It's an hour in an hour back on a good day. So I think you're going to really start to see, um, stuff like this happening. It's just a matter of like, I guess, um, you know, all the bylaws and all the rules. I don't know too much about it. I imagine a lot of like the big developers probably don't want to see this because they want to be able to sell, you know, their big houses and the big condos and stuff. But I thought it was interesting. I'm curious to get your, like your feedback on it. You know, I, the one thing that I will say in, in, in that regard to, I guess, go back to the beginning point, as far as the housing prices is concerned, something like that I've been following for, I want to say about three, four years now. Um, okay. Because I do have a lot of friends who are in the real estate market, and they always throw a lot of information at me. Some of it sticks, some of it goes over my head. But um, as someone who is getting older and looking to get his own place or whatnot, of course, looking into the housing prices is, you know, is, is what I call a top-tier priority, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's kind of mind-boggling in some regards as to why Toronto is in, in the current state that is isn't. It, it is in, right? Because the one thing that I always explain to foreigners, and by foreigners, I mean, you know, Americans and Europeans, is that Ontario is not really developed in the sense where when you look at a place like New York City, you're, you can understand why the cost is such, right? But mm -hmm. a lot of the residents who operate and live in New York City don't exactly live in New York City. They live in the neighboring states, which is New Jersey, Connecticut, Philadelphia. Yeah. And I think something like that is yet to happen in Ontario. I think that it would be a genius move on the part of the government, on the part of the city to, I guess, enhance the subway transit line so that people from, say, Ottawa or Barrie or London or Waterloo or all of the neighboring cities can actually live and function in the burbs, as one would say, but yeah. and function in Toronto. Because at the end of the day, the reason why Toronto is so expensive to those who don't know is essentially because Toronto has all the jobs. <laughs> Toronto <laughs> has all the jobs. <laughs> so when you have all the jobs, when you have all the major businesses, all the office spaces, naturally, you're going to have everyone from Canada, because unfortunately, the rest of Canada is not as developed as Toronto. Yeah. Um, that's why you're going to have everyone traveling. If you're an immigrant or a refugee coming to Canada for the first time, first place you're going to go before you're even looking anywhere else is Toronto. Yeah. Um, so all of these factors are 
adding to you know the cost of living and the cost of property and even you know from an architect's perspective even how some of these homes are being built you know before you know the average size of a condo was much bigger than what is offered now now it's you know it's shrinking just to make room for more units and more rooms to be added to a you know a condo development as a whole mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. i think that's the interesting part because i always use the asia example if you ever travel to asia which i did once uh, i went to uh thailand the one thing that i will say is when you go into their condo uh buildings and their apartments they're very condensed they're very they maximize every space you can imagine everything okay. is organized everything is contrived and i think that's the direction um toronto's going in not right now of course but i mean if we keep going on the path where our population is going up the level of traffic in toronto is going up the the level of migrating to toronto is going up i wouldn't be surprised if a lot of our business or not businesses but a lot of our condos and apartment complexes are going to end up being like that where they're very contrived they're very tiny and your bank for your book is not really your bank for your book because you're not really getting much as a result yeah so you know, it's kind of an interesting time that we're in because, you know, at the end of the day, Toronto is still a baby city when compared to major cities like New York, compared to Los Angeles, right? Um, so I think we're kind of going through this phase of trying to see what will be the normal for us in the next 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, so, I feel like it's, yeah. it's definitely, I don't know, maybe I'm naive, but I feel like it has no choice but to, to get to this point because it's kind of like... Um, how young people can't afford it, right? Like it's it's crazy. You need like two, three incomes, uh, over a hundred thousand dollars, and 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 a lot of people are making that kind of money. Um, so I feel like you know, with Toronto a few years back allowing the laneway houses, where they allowed now if you have a unit in the front and you have kind of like a garage in the back, a lot of people converted that to laneway housing, where they basically built up a little bit. They built like a unit, which is great because then you can rent that out. You get additional income. I don't know if you can sell it as a separate unit. I don't think so, but you can rent it out. At least it helps for, you know, people looking to, to rent in Toronto. Right. And I feel like the next step to that, I feel like they're going to allow that in the near future in Mississauga because now it's just like, okay, mm-hmm. Toronto is getting saturated. People want to like be close to Toronto, but necessarily not in Toronto. Um, so I th- feel like they're going to allow to do that in, in, in Mississauga. And then I feel like the next step after that is, yeah, allowing people to build like mini you know, triplexes or quadruplexes where it's like yeah. three, four, five um, units in a, like this tiny little mini building. Uh, I feel like it just makes sense. Like if you can buy, even for me, like if I can buy, you know, like like a $200,000 mini condo, yeah. um, why not, right? At least like for me, like everybody's priority is different. For me, I would rather just have a smaller place, but be close to Toronto, close to like Mississauga, my friends and family all kind of live here rather than move like an hour away, especially because I work so much like in the area. Um, and I just hate, you know, the long commute. So but, um, it'll yeah. be interesting to see. But also there's two subcategories that you kind of have to look at right now, which is um, for the younger generation, are they going to be, are they going to grow up thinking I want to own or are they going to be brought up thinking we have to rent? Because my our, our generation, because we're to, to those who don't know, we're pretty much around the same age, me and Rob, for the yep. most part. Um, so we know what it means to value ownership and and things of that nature. Whereas the the young generation, so kids that are born in the two thousands, if you will, be, they're kind of born into a 
mind state of everything is expensive. We have to rent, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering if they even care about owning property because what you just said is amazing owning owning a condo. But you know, I I always think back to small conversations I, I would have with my nieces and nephews and my mm-hmm. friends and their little brothers and. Their first thing that comes out of their mouth is not owning, it's renting. And I'm wondering if that's because they know that, you know, everything is expensive and, you know, you kind of have to rent in order to have that status symbol of being on your own, I guess you could say. Uh-huh. Um, and then on the flip side, which is the other, I guess, sub subtopic to look into is, you know, what's the reality for employment? What's the reality for work? Is there even going to be such a thing of working in an office? You know, you know, one of the mm-hmm. magical things about COVID, I, and I hate to use the word magical, but it really is, is, you know, COVID kind of transformed the um, landscape of work, you know, yep. working from home. It's changed em- em- employers' confidence levels as far as allowing people to work from home. Um, so it's, you know, this is a new reality for us. So you don't really know what's going to be happening in the next three, four years, for all you know, there might not even be any office space. You might have office space for the sense, for a sense of community as far as a team is concerned. But from our work perspective, you very well might be able to live in Aurora, Ontario, um, which is about a couple hours away to, for, for those who want to know. Yeah. And, yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, and, and be employed in downtown Toronto, right? Yeah. hundred percent. I think it's getting to the point too, where a lot of, employers are realizing like from even friends i'm talking to whatever i'm sure your situations like this where people are realizing okay now with covid um you know work from home you know now it's it's i guess they're considering it a safety thing they don't want people coming to the to, to work i get it but i think that even long term you're going to start to see a hybrid model where maybe a couple days a week you're in a couple days a week you're home because people are realizing if, if we don't have to spend like you know tens of thousands of dollars um on office space why are we doing that? And people can be just as efficient from home. And exactly. And the reason I bring all this up is because all of this changes how someone interprets, you know, how much they want to spend and where on, on a home and where they want to spend um, for a home, right? Um, yeah. Because if, you know, if the reason why maybe young people are always thinking about renting is because they know that the jobs are in Toronto and they have to live in Toronto. Therefore, they have to you know, be forced to rent in order to live and work in Toronto. But if the landscape of work changes, now that now that changes your options, right? You know, yeah. it goes back to the example that I use of New York City, you know, I'd say the majority, you know, they live in the neighboring states and they take the train into Penn Station and they just go to work. And, you know, it's that's kind of, you know, what I hope to see happen with Toronto in conjunction to the working from home. If if our transit system can grow and open up its branches to the other, you know, cities or whatnot, I think yeah. something that can definitely, you know, be better in the long run for Toronto. Because at the end of the day, nobody wants ch- congestion. No, nobody wants to be in two two hour traffic just to come home and to go to work. So I think, you know, that's where I'm hoping, you know, all this turns into right. Yeah, let's hope, man. I mean, it's uh, like I said, I love Toronto. I think personally, it's, I, you know, I've traveled quite a bit. I know you have too. And it's the more I travel, the more I appreciate being from Toronto. And just, you know, we have so much culture here, man. So much, so much different food. Um, for me, it's just I'm biased, maybe because I was born here. But uh, yeah. the more, like I said, I travel and experience different cultures, um, the more I'm just so grateful to be living in, in yeah. such a good city. 
Um, so, you know, it's just, it's just crazier and crazier because, um, it's getting harder to afford, right? I mean, yeah. I'm hoping that there's, as interest rates go up, you know, back up maybe because they can't stay. This is like crazy how low they are, right? They're like oh, 1%, 2%. Uh, if they go back up to 3 4%, 5%, um, you know, the, 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 the thought is that house pricings will, will, will correct a little bit. I don't ever think you're going to see like a $500,000 house in, in Toronto ever, right? Not Again, happening, not happening. You're probably going to have like a small correction is the hope. And then maybe that's an opportunity to get in, right? But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Only time can tell. Yeah, you know, it's uh, definitely, you know, I always say, and I was having this conversation with a, uh, co- a, uh, a colleague of mine a couple months ago. And every so often, you know, as people, every generation, they go through that one defining moment that kind of shifts culture as people in general, yeah. not Canadians, but people in general. For some, it's World War One. For some, it's World War Two. For some, it's the Great Depression. For some, it's the Vietnam War. For, for some, it's the Cold War. You know, the list goes down the line. I think for our generation and the generations underneath us, I think it's COVID. I think COVID has changed the direction of every industry, every anything that you can think of. I think COVID is, is changing it. So I'm very curious to see in the next five years or so what's going to be what's going to you know be the norm or the reality. Not so much with COVID, but more so, you know, what's the housing market going to look like? What's the job market's going to look like? You know, how are people going to be perceiving these things? You know, because of course everything is interconnected, whether we want to ad- admit to it or not, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll see, man. Um, yeah. What do you think, uh, to, to pivot for a sec, what do you think about uh, all these new uh, kind of lockdowns? So for people that are maybe not from GTA or, or Toronto, um, you know, we recently just now got into, because of Omicron, we were starting to open back up. And then all of a sudden now uh, we got hit with the new rules <laughs> from Ford saying, uh, you know, um, which, we, which we'll talk about the, the uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The... Um, if the rules even make any sense, but um, that's a separate topic. But basically, yeah, we got these new rules now. We're basically essentially, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, you know, uh, restaurants can't have dine-in. Um, you know, gyms are closed, um, but the malls are open. So, which I, I just don't understand. Uh, for me, if it's like you're really worried about, you know, safety and keeping everybody safe. Like, for me, it's kind of like if you're going to lock down and you're really worried about safety, shut everything down yeah. for two weeks no, three it, weeks yeah. and that's it but you're gonna say you're worried about safety and then these poor business owners or these or these gyms that keep people healthy probably the one thing you should have open you close down and then but the malls you know because people need the louis vuitton bags the malls you got to keep open right? i mean and you know what this is i think with this topic there's so many avenues that we can examine this from we can examine it from a pool from a politics perspective, we can examine it from a science perspective, we can examine it from a morally what's the right perspective. For me, to those who don't know, because I think if you're in the US, you're hearing this, if you're in Europe, if you're in Asia, if you're in South America, I think you guys can all relate to what's going on in your own city as far as how COVID is being handled, right? Um, For us, as Rob said, we are entering a new 21 day lockdown, which for most people, it might not be that much, because I know in Australia, they are They've had curfews. They've had more stricter lockdowns. Um, so I've got, I guess there's different ways of interpreting the pros and cons of this lockdown. But I will say that, as Rob also mentioned, if you're going to lock things down for the purpose of health, you have to put an example 
everywhere as far as that stands. So, for example, as again, as Rob said, malls are open. Uh, malls are open. There's more contact tracing in a mall than there is, say, in a gym or in a bar or in a restaurant. Um, for those who don't know what contact tracing is, if I touch a railing and walk away, someone can go ahead and touch that railing and then so on and so forth, right? But am I wrong? Sorry to interrupt, bro. Am I yeah. wrong? I thought they came out with the data recently that said, um, like fomite transmission, which is basically touching a surface and getting exactly. the virus, is not a thing. It's right. Not, it's like it's high not, virus, that's, right? and, and that's why it's mind-boggling to me as far as why someone would still keep a gym, for example, um, yeah. or a restaurant closed. Because the one, it, the one, the one thing that I've personally noticed, because I've done my fair share of gym, I've been to my fair share of gyms since the previous lockdown has been. Uh, um, I guess, uh, canceled or whatnot. And yeah. there's a lot of precautions being made there. There's a lot of sanitization being made there. And this also refers to restaurants and bars as well. Malls are not so much the case. Unless you have a 1,000-person sanitization crew that's following every person that enters and leaves the mall, it's not being sanitized and maintained. And even that, that, it doesn't even matter because if somebody yeah. sneezes, it's the live virus that is causing the issue from and, my and understanding, right? If exactly. somebody sneezes, that's what you're getting. You're not getting it. It's funny to me when people are still like, you know, I guess old habits die hard. When you go into a store, they still ask you to sanitize your hands. Like that's doing well, nothing, especially and, because like the, the data shows that transmission is happening from, from live virus being sneezed or being like, you know, sharing saliva if you kiss or, you know, somebody yeah, you're with and, or whatever, and, um, you know, not and, from, from touching yeah. stuff. And this is the interesting part about this whole concept is because, you know, no one's denying the nature of what this is. This is a virus that breeds off of us. It needs us in order to learn how to mutate. And as of right now, it's never going to go away. Um, it's impossible for you to kill a virus. It's just the nature of science. You can't really escape it. So yeah. now, so my point, since probably I, you know, I, I, I would say around June 2020, I thought this, and this is what is the end goal here? Because any any scientist, any doctor will tell you, in order for a virus to live, it has to mutate. Which is why you have Omicron. This is why you have Delta, and this is why you're going to have 101 versions of it after the fact. Um, uh -huh. So what is the end goal? Is it a goal where around the world there's going to be lockdowns every, let's just say, five or six months? There's going to be multiple booster shots? Because at that point, are we overdoing it for one thing or are we or is this actually what it is? Right. And, and that's, you know, that's, I guess, my fear in the future. It's what is the end goal? Because for me, I can understand what's happening now, but I just want to know what is the end goal. Okay, because here's because here's the thing: if you're locking it down right now, great. But again, what is the end goal? It's you know, yeah. And I think with governments, I think the frustration is there's a lot of um, personal party um, goals in, in place that kind of is making a lot of us a little frustrated because there's a lot of contradiction and we at the end of the day we all are humans we all can understand what is right what is wrong and we can also understand what is a contradiction and there's a lot of contradiction with the canadian government um which is a little frustrated for a lot of people as far as how they are to justify what's going on 
across the country and specifically across Toronto. So um, it's, you know, it's an interesting one. It's not exactly how I expected 2022 to enter. Yeah. Um, because again, it's still a virus. And I, I'm, I'm not, a, by no means am I a conspiracy theorist, but what I will say is if you look at the numbers, it is still far weaker than in any other thing that's out there. Um, so, I, and by weaker, I mean the fatality rate. And of course, you know, I don't want to, you know, cast a shadow on those who have lost someone as a result of COVID, because as far as I'm concerned, one life is one life too much, right? But on that token, when you are having a conversation of lockdowns, you do have to look at the numbers like that, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know when it goes gets to a point where it's like, listen, you, you can be as safe as you want um, and you can take precautions. But like like you said, there's going to be probably variants for the next decade. It's just the hope is that it, it evolves into something that's not a major concern, right? And for me, I think a lot of people are starting to really question when, when that's happening. And I think a lot of people, myself included, that were kind of on the fence, right? Like I didn't really, to be honest, want to get the shot. I got it just because I wanted to go back to normal. And you, you kind of feel like pressured into a situation. You can't really travel. You can't go back to normal to get it. So I'm like, okay, let's just get it. But now we're not back to normal. And I think a lot of people are starting to realize that and they're kind of getting fed up. And I think, you know, listen, I, I'm not shitting on, on our leaders because I think this is a really tough uh, thing to manage. You're trying to please the business owners. You're trying to please, uh, you know, the, the health community to keep everybody safe. So it's really tough. And, and, and I, I wouldn't want that job um, for the life of me. But I think people, they got to be careful how they handle this because I think if they keep these restrictions going and these lockdowns, um, I think people you are going to see more and more. You're already kind of seeing it. People start to um, protest more and people start to, um, you know, kind of just stay open more and not listen. Because, again, like you were saying, there's a point to where, OK, you can be safe, but there's a point where you got to let people live their lives. And especially if like, you know, I know they're saying to people, Hey, businesses, we're going to help you out. We're going to give you money and people are going to go on serve for anybody that lost their job. But serve is not a lot of money that does nothing. Right. And, and if it, they really want to help people, why yeah. aren't they telling, why aren't they telling the banks to, Hey, you know what, for the next, you know, three weeks or next month until we have to have these restrictions, uh, uh, defer their mortgage payments or defer their payments for the business loan or whatever, uh, for 60, 90 days without interest, right? That's how you help people. You say, let them think, but they still know that they're not doing that. So they still got to pay your rent on time. You still got to pay your mortgage on time. You still got to pay your business uh, insurance on, or um, loan on time. So it's, 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 they're telling people don't work. You can't work. You got to close down, but we still want our money. And so that's why people are getting pissed, right? You know, I think this is going to be a very, difficult time financially for a lot of people not and when i say financially i mean with all the free money that's going out which is understandable but it is free money at the end of the day and it has to be pulled from somewhere so that's my concern yeah and if they just allow these small businesses to open up i think it would help what what may happen in the future and which is you know we don't know how this is going to be you know translated into our taxes as canadians as Torontonians, so yeah, that's something that is a little bit worrisome. To, I mean, I'm not gonna lie because Canada is already expensive as is, specifically. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. um, that's that's one thing. The second thing, I mean, 
look, at the end of the day, we're placing this much emphasis on a physical um, ailment, which is COVID. I think the bigger question, which is happening to, I'd say, 99.9% of the people around the world is no one's really talking about mental health. No one's really talking about the mental effects that this is having on people, not COVID, but the lockdown aspect of COVID and the back and forth nature of reopen, closing, reopen, closing, reopen, closing. And then you're kind of hovering in this neutral ground for a couple months and then you're being told, um, hey, you know what? There's a new strain. You might have to stop any sort of aspirations that you now started to get back and you got to put them on hold again, right? So I think that aspect is going to be very difficult for people to um, get over. Not the physical. The physical things can always be controlled, but the mental, yeah. I, I'm, I've learned over the years that it really is all mind over matter in some some regards. And I think when the mind is encountering a lot of stress and the mind is encountering a lot of um, setback in many different areas as a result of one thing, it, it, it is going to make it a little difficult, right? Um, Dude, there's and- studies that show, sorry to interrupt you, there's studies that show that I'm going to try to find and link them in the show notes after that people can read, uh, that the long-term effects of stress, like for example, of, of, of worrying and anxiety and stress, end up causing more long-term damage than sometimes the the physical ailments. Like, for example, like, you know, like my father used to say, don't worry about the monsters under your bed until they appear. Because, you know, like when you're a kid, you go to bed, you you, you worry about, oh, man, there's you're scared of the closet. You're scared of the monster under your bed. But you worry about it so much, what happens? The monster ends up never coming because there is no monster half the time, right? So the analogy is kind of like, don't make things a bigger problem until they actually happen you know if something happens you do what you can to protect yourself and of course i'm I, i'm like all for people that you know are at risk or to be safe get the vaccine for sure right but um it gets to a point where it's like um you, you, like you said you got to go back to normal and and the stress of worrying about uh getting sick and stress of worrying about what's going to go wrong can cause more psychological and, and even physical uh, damage with cortisol increases. I mean, we know about, you know, we, we worked yeah. out, we know about cortisol and, and, and all that kind you, of stuff. And- it's funny, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. So for those who don't know, cortisol refers to the stress hormone. Um, stress hormone can come about in many different ways. One being simple as even not sleeping. Um, your cortisol goes up. if you're Of course, if you're stressed out, cortisol goes up. If you're sad, cortisol goes up. Um, and as you can imagine, if you're on a lockdown and if you're unemployed, if you're um, not able to see anybody for the sake of simple communication, your cortisol is going to go up. And yeah. and as a, and I guess for those who are also wondering, when your cortisol does go up, your weight goes up. When your weight goes up, your health is not compromised. And when, when your health is compromised, that leaves room for yourself to, you know, interact with many new viruses and bacterial infections that come about, right? So everything is linked together. It's not just a one-off scenario where, you know, you can fix something by just doing one thing. You know, it, everything has an effect on each other, and there's a balance that has to be made. Unfortunately, right now, the balance with what's going on is not working. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's it, it's... This is why, you know, I think everyone here, at least in Toronto, this lockdown kind of just made everyone laugh. 
I don't yeah. think anyone is angry at this point. I mean, they're angry, but I don't even think they're show- they care to showcase the anger anymore. I think it's just it's more frustration, and it's I think, like give uh, me a break kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. you know, yeah. So, so we'll I see, mean, man. Yeah, it's yeah, interesting. We'll see, we'll see what happens. You know, I, I know um, to those who are listening, this isn't unique to us. I know we're not trying to make this a Toronto problem and, and no one else's. I know parts of the U.S. are going through it. I know parts of Europe are definitely, definitely going through it. I know Brazil, South America, um, Asia specifically. I mean, at, at the end of the day, the world's going through it. I know the one, the one, the one thing that I will say, which is also something that Rob, you may want to elaborate on, but this is kind of interesting and with what's happening is that if you actually think about it, this is the first global event that's happening, which every single person around the world can relate to. At the end of the day, I can't relate to World War II. I can't relate yeah, to yeah. World War One. I. I can't picture what it was to grow up in the Great Depression. I can't understand the Cold War. I can't even understand anything that's happened after the fact. However, I can call someone that speaks no English, and they will understand exactly with what I'm going through here in Toronto because of COVID. And I yeah. think that aspect of it is very, very unique and very interesting. And, you know, I think that if there's any positive, it's that. It's make, I think the world come going forward is going to be a much more globalized um, place now because of COVID. I think COVID has brought us together in more ways than one. I think that's going to that's gonna spill over to employment. It's going to spill over to education. It's going to spill over into entertainment, music, public, everything. So I think this is really interesting. But I just thought to bring it up because it just came to mind because um, even though we're talking all these sad, depressing facts or whatnot, you know, that is a positive. And I think that is something to, you know, just be mindful of in the future, right? Yeah, I'm hoping, I mean, you know, nobody has a crystal ball on what's going to happen, but I'm hoping, um, and, and what I've read from a lot of people, like much smarter than myself, scientists and, and, and experts and whatnot, and the hope is that with this variant is that um, because it's spreading so fast, like I don't know about you, in the past month now, I've noticed like, you know, at the beginning of COVID, I, you, you heard about people here and there getting it, uh, but I didn't really know anybody close to me getting it. And then now all of a sudden, the past like month and a half, I feel like everybody I know is getting sick. So I think the hope is basically that like, um, you know, nobody wants to get sick, of course, but the silver lining would be that if everybody catches something, um, that we can get through this, that the, the symptoms are a lot less severe than like the original COVID. Um, so the hope is that, okay, we, we burn through this, everybody gets it. And then we kind of go back to normal sooner. Right. Because, um, yeah, because I mean, well, again, like but, you were saying before, how many, how many more very, there's going to be variants to, for probably the next decade. Well, right? I'm looking at an article right now and I just, um, came across something that there's a new one now called the Delta Cron, which is, has just been found in Cyprus, Greece. Then there's going to be Megatron. Then there's going to be yeah, Bumblebee, and, Optimus Prime. And, there's going to be... But the one, thing, the one thing that I will point out is that you mentioned, Rob, that if we catch it, at least we have it. Well, yes and no, because I've caught COVID and here we are. And I know you caught COVID as well. And yet yeah. Are, right? So I think the antibodies that you get from COVID, that just pertains to one strain. Sure. It might pertain to maybe some of the other strains that come about, but... I don't think it's enough for the government to say, well, COVID is over, right? And I think that's the issue. It's, I know it goes back to the point I made earlier is, you know, what is the end goal? The end goal is the main thing that everyone wants to know. It's like watching The Walking Dead. It's, you know, for those who don't know, The Walking Dead has been on TV for the, since 2010. 
it's no there's no sight of the season ending and no one really knows what the heck is going on <laughs> it's the same oh, i didn't know that it's still going yeah it's still, well i think they might be on their last season or or so but no one really knows what the end goal is with that show so it's funny here it's like what is the end goal you know when yeah you watch a movie you there's a rise there's a climax and then there's a drop to the conclusion now question is are we on the climax are we still going up and like so it's kind of want to know what is the you know what's the whole process what's the whole um thing what's this whole situation about um and 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 one can't really say that it's because we lack knowledge or we lack science at the end of the day if a virus was to pop up this is the best time for it to pop up because we're the most advanced that we've ever been where we have the most um access to information that we've ever been mm-hmm. our, our level of communication is at the highest level more than it's ever been yeah and the reason i say that is because if, when you look in the past of all the pandemics that have come and gone you know a lot of those happened during societies that weren't like ours where they lacked knowledge and communication so the spanish flu for example or any of the colds that wiped out nations in the early 1800s or 1700s, right? Yep. So the fact that we're still going through it right now is kind of mind-boggling, which is why a lot of conspiracy theorists do entertain the ideas that this is more than just a virus and this is more so a, a political or a population control, which I don't think we should really get into because that's really going to go off a tangent as far yeah, as... Yeah, yeah. But... It's just something to be mindful of, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, buddy, I think we'll uh, call it there. I think we had a pretty good chat. Uh, we'll yeah. call it for this week. Make a nice, a nice good first, first chat episode. for myself. <laughs> What's that? Sorry, I was saying it's a, a nice good entry point for myself. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, for sure. Many more to come. So, uh, apologies for for taking so long to record the episode, and uh, part of it was my fault, and you know everybody's busy. So, glad we could finally uh, do it, but. Uh, Thank you again for everybody listening in. Um, please like, please share, please subscribe. It really helps us grow. Uh, you know, we're trying to kind of uh, push a lot of Canadian content. So every episode is kind of about something Canadian related. So uh, thanks again, guys. And uh, yeah, we will uh, see you next week. Absolutely, Rob. Thank you for having me, everyone. Nice to meet you. Definitely looking forward to future combos with, uh, with everybody. Have a good one. Happy New Year. All right, brother. Take care, guys. Ciao. Bye, guys.